Good morning. First day of uh, Hanukkah. We are going to study the second chapter of Ilchot Tefillin, Mezuzah and Sefer Torah. This deals with the writing of the Tefillin itself. It's a shorter chapter, and we are going to run through some portions of it. So uh, please try to pay attention. Alacha Aleph. Kesad Kotvin Tefillin. How are Tefillin written? Really, technically speaking, how are they written? The one of the head, one that goes on the head, is written on four separate parchments, each of which contains one of the four parashiot. Each of these four parchments is rolled individually. And then each of these four parchments is placed inside one of the four one of the four compartments of this one unit of leather which we again call it a bite but really each of these four is called a bite in and of itself however the one that goes on the arm that's written on one single long parchment and the four parashiot are written on this one long parchment and then it's uh, it's uh, you have to roll it up, but like the Sefer Torah, you roll it up from the end to the beginning, so that when you start unrolling it, you encounter the beginning and not the end. And then you placed it inside one single, one sole compartment. That's the one that's one is going to be placed on the arm itself. And one must be careful on the parashiot. The parashiot are the paragraphs of the tefillin, because the paragraphs in the Torah, when something is is uh, is a paragraph, it means it ends on either a petuha or a setuma kind of way. Petuha means that the line ends and then the next line begins at the beginning of the column, and setuma means that there is a space inside the line separating one paragraph from the next. But doing the setuma petuha or the petuha setuma invalidates the tefillin. And it's easy to remember, Harambam says, the first three parashiot of the tefillin, all of them end at, at the, in the middle of the sentence, uh, in the middle of the line, in other words, you begin the next line from the beginning. But the the last one, that ends in the middle of the line. Uh, we are going to see what that means. Actually, in, in, in chapter 8. And one must be careful also on spelling the words, either either uh, either with with the vowels or without the vowels. And again, if if one writes one of these words without without uh, being careful for whether there is a vowel or not. For example, 
sometimes in Hebrew, things that have the vowel E are spelled male with a yod after. Sometimes they are not. Or likewise with the, with the vowels O and U, whether they are followed by a vav or not. So they need to be exactly how they are in the Sefer Torah. If any of those letters is added or, 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 or is missing, unlike the Sefer Torah, not only is it pasul, but it's also unfixable. One may not fix, as we are going to see, a tefillin um, after the fact. Can't go back and add a letter that's missing or take a letter out that, that, that wasn't there. And now I'm going to go a little quickly through this halachot because it's really Harambam spelling out for us which words are male, which words are haser, which words are spelled fully, which words are not. And these are all the, the, the incompletely spelled words and the fully spelled words in these four parashiot. Rishona, in the first parasha, which is Kadesh Lichol Bechol. By the way, pay attention. There is two people word, two kinds of tefillin. Some people nowadays, one they call it Rashi, one they call it Rabbeinu Tam. It really has to do with the order of the parashiot. And uh, Harambam's order of the parashiot is Hanahatam Kehaviyatam. Uh, the, the order is the same order as they appear in the Torah, which coincides with the order of what people call today Rashi. So the first one in that order is Kadesh Lichol Bechor, the first of the four parashiot. Rishona Kadesh Lichol Bechor, Male. You spell Bechor with a Vav Male. Zachor, also spelled with a Vav Male. Behozek, there is no Vav after the Het. Haser, Hosi. Male, Hosi, you spell it both with a Vav and a Yod. Yoseim, Haser Vav. Yoseim, although it has the Yod after the Aleph, it doesn't have the Vav after the Yod, so it's Haser Vav. Yevi'acha, Yevi'acha could have been, Yevi'acha uh, uh, so is spelled Male, it's spelled with a Yod after the Vet, for Yevi'acha. Ve'ha'emori Haser, Ha'emori is, uh, it could have had a Vav after the Mem, to signify the O, but it doesn't. Ha'emori is without Vav. Ve'ha'yivusi male. However, the Yevusi does have the Vav after the Vet for signaling Vu. La'avotecha hasar Vav. La'avotecha doesn't have the Vav after the Vet to signal Vo, but it has the Yod for Echa, the Yod for the for the Segol. Ha'avoda hasar, Masot hasar, Hashvi'i male, Masot male. Seor Haser, Gevulecha Haser, and Gevulecha, by the way, I just want to make a point, is not Gevulecha. So the difference between spelling Gevulecha with a Yod or without a Yod, or rather with a Segol under the Lamed, or with a Sheva under the Lamed, is if we only have the Sheva and no Yod, it means Hagevul Shelcha, your Gevul, your uh, your area, your your um, the, the, the land you possess. Gevulecha with a yod, it means the the lands that you possess. Um, it's a, it's the plural. It's a gevulim shelcha. It's a gevulim shelcha. So this means a gevulim shelcha here. Gevulecha, but it doesn't have the yod that would signify to us that it's a plural word. Ba'avur male. It has a vav after the vet. Leot male. It has a vav after the aleph. Ulzikaron male. Ulzikaron has the Vav after the Resh. Uh, however, uh, the way I have it here, it does not have the Yod after the Zayn. Aynecha Male, Aynecha has 
two yodim, one after the ayin, one after the nun. Torat has the vow after the taf, it's male. Hosi acha haser, haser yod. Hahuka haser lemoadah male. I'm going to run through this next uh, parashiot. This is uh, not something that I think anyone would remember, but rather it's something one should consult when writing or checking a tefillin. Parasha Shaniya v'haya ki yeviyacha haser the Yevi Acha is missing. Vilavotecha Hasarvav, Hamor Haser, Behor Male, Behozek Haser, Hosianu Male, Vayaharog Haser, Behor Male. Whoever is watching this on YouTube or live, I'm, I'm putting, I'm, I'm showing right now. The, the the way it's written according to Harambam, you can see the full four parashiot, and this is the way the Yemenites still write write it nowadays. Um, so I'm going to leave it here for a couple of seconds, so you can take a look. You can also see how Behayim Shamoa, the the parasha Setuma, it means that there is no space at the end of the last line, but it be, the first line begins also a little bit after the beginning of the column. All the other parashiot begin at the beginning of the column, but they end, the very end of the parasha ends at the, in the middle of the line. So I continue on halacha he. Mi bechor haser, ve'ad bechor male, zoveah haser, techol bechor male, le'ot male, yadecha katuv behe, there is many derashot about this, it says ve'ayal le'ot al yadecha, this should be a sign on your hand and yadecha in a very weird spelling it's spelled with a he at the end male uh, it's a very very rare kind of spelling which is why hachamim take advantage of this and learn from here or link a detail to this word that detail being that the tefillin is put on the weaker of our hands our arms. So if someone is righty, like most people are, then you'd put the tefillin on the left arm like we do. Ul totafot haser vav aharona. Totafot is missing the last vav. Uh, the Gemara has a drasha on this as well. Aynecha male, behozek haser hosianu male. Halacha vav. Parasha shalishit, the third parasha, Shema, the, the third parasha which is Shema, uh, again, this is different in Rabbeinu Tam, but Harambam Rashi have it this way. Me'odecha haser, me'odecha is plural, it's your, it's not uh, your, your, your me'od, your, your strength, but it's your strength with, with an S at the end. Haser, levanecha male, bebetecha belo yot shenia, ubkumecha male, leot male, yadecha belo yot shenia, letotafot haser shenevavin, in this time, it, it's missing both vavs. That's uh, uh, it's a little bit inconsistent with a derasha in the Gemara. The Rishonim speak about this. The Rashba has something about this. Sheneva vin, sorry, Ainecha male, Ainecha has both yots. Mezuzot haser vav rishona betecha belo yot shenia. Betecha again in this case, although it's plural, it's habatim shelcha. It doesn't have the second yod. Uvish arecha male, but vish arecha does have the yod at the end. Parasha Revi'it. Vehayim Shamoa Haser. The Vav after Mem of Shamoa that is not there. Misvotai Bevav Ahat. 
as opposed to saying uh, another vav to signify the o of vo. Yore male umalkosh male vetiro shecha hasar vav veishta havitem male yevulah male hatova hasar noten hasar otam hasar leot male letotafot hasar vav shenia einechem male einechem it has uh, the, the, the yods after both ayin and nun, it does not have a yod after half because it should never have a yod after half. Uh, this is ayinayim shelachem. Otam haser bevetecha belo yod shenia, although again this is plural. Ubkumecha male, mezuzot male, betecha belo yod shenia, ubish'arecha male, laavotechem haser Vav, there is no Vav after Vo of La'avotechem. Halachachet, and now we come to something very interesting, which is a Tagim. Tagim are the little ornaments that you see on top of the letters of a Sefer Torah. Now, following some uh, Kabbalistic tendencies, all the Sifre Torah and virtually all writings that you can find nowadays of Tefillin, Mezuzot, etc., have a very simplistic kind of of, of system for where to put the ornaments on the letters and it says that you put three ornaments three little lines on top of the letters Sha'atnez Gats Shin Ein Tet Nun Zain Gimel Gimal and Sari and you put uh, one line over the letters Badak Haya Bet Dalet Kof Het Yod He according to Harambam and the way things used to be done back in the day there is no universal system that says on top of every shin you put something, but rather there is a specific tradition that tells you specifically which letters do and which letters do not get tagim, these little crowns. Tag means crown. In Arabic, taj means a crown, uh, like the Keter Aram Soba, the, the, the crown of Aleppo, that very famous, very famous uh, Tanakh that, that, uh, that, we, that we have. Uh, taj, uh, so tagim means crowns, and uh, these little crowns used to be very specifically known by tradition. It wouldn't be every shin would have it, it wouldn't be that every ayin would have it. As you'll see right now, Harambam tells you the tradition specifically for the four parashiyot of tefillin. With regards to the four parashiyot of the tefillin, the Yemenites who have kept a very strong tradition in many aspects, have also kept this tiyug, this system of placing crowns according to these instructions Harambam is about to give. And one must be careful, Harambam does not say here that if one is not, it invalidates a tefillin, however. In placing the crowns of these letters, and one must draw them as very little upright zayin, zayin, um, and this is more or less the way it looks in, in, in all the, the tagim that you can find. Just like we do them in the Sefer Torah. And these are the letters that should get crowns in these four parashiot. In the first parasha, Shema Yisrael, Yishbah ot ahat bilvad, 
Sorry, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. First parasha is Kadesh Lichol Bechol. There is only one letter in the entire parasha that has crowns. And it's the Mem Setuma. Mem Setuma means the, the fully closed Mem. It's another way of saying Mem Sofit, what we know as Mem Sofit. Why is it fully? Why is it called the fully closed? Because it is fully closed. If you look at it, the Mem uh, has two shapes. One is open at the bottom, one is fully closed. So that Mem Sofit has It has a crown comprising three little uh, Zainin, three little letters Zain. Parasha Shaniya, the second parasha has five letters that has, have this tagim, and it's all on the letters and on top of each of these five he, there is four zain, and it's the he of Just trying to find it here. Um, it's on the very first line. Untanaha uh, lach. This he here, if you can see the mouse cursor that I have, um, this is the he that has this uh, this uh, uh, tagin. As you can see, three tagin here. Four tagin, sorry. Veherishona veharanashel kihiksha. Kihiksha also has four of them here, here, and here. Veheshel Vayaharog, here. Yadecha, here, the one that I said that it's an anomaly. This one also has four tagim. Now they, they don't have all the same numbers of Zainim, each one has a different number. So the Kof has three. This word letotafot, it has three letters with tagim. Each one of these has four zainim. The fourth, fourth parashia also has five letters that have them. It has three zainim. So in the same word, you have two. And then the word letotafot also has three letters. Each one of those has four. And there is 16 letters that have these crowns. However, if a person did not do the crowns, although one must be careful, if a person did not do them, or he did more of them, or fewer of them, Lopasal. He did not invalidate the tefillin. About the meaning of these crowns, I just want to point out, Rabbi Akiva was known, there is a very beautiful midrash uh, in Masechet Menachot, I believe it's Daf Kafhet, of Moshe Rabbeinu going to the heavens, and then uh, Borei Olam, God shows him uh, Rabbi Akiva, many generations later, and he says, this is going to be a person who is going to do the rashot on each and every crown in the Torah, all the tagim in the Torah. So just want to point out, this Midrash does not make a lot of sense with the current system we have of indiscriminately putting tagim, putting crowns 
on every letter just because it belongs to one of these two groups of Sha'at Nezgats or Bedak Haya. It made a lot of sense, however, in the old system of having crowns in specific letters because those specific letters would mean uh, that, that this tagin, this crown means something. Um, and that's what Rabbi Akiva was doing. Now, this is more practical to us who are not writing tefillin. If you buy tefillin from someone who is not an expert, you must check them. If you buy from such a person who is not yet known in the public to be an expert sofer, you buy 100, uh, 100 batim of tefillin, in other words, 50 pairs. It's enough to just check three of them. Make sure that you take from each of the hand and, and, and the head, the arm and the head, so take two and one or one and two. And if all three were perfect, then this person has hazaka, he now has a presumption of, of being a good writer. And you can assume that all the other 97 of them also are kesherim. You need not check the rest. However, if you uh, acquire them group by group, so you took first an installment of 10, then an installment of another 10, and so on and so forth. However, if you do that, then you must check each and every group because for all we know, and we should assume, each of these groups was written by somebody else. Yod Aleph. This is, I think, the most relevant halacha for those of us who just were tefillin, we're not buying it right now, or not writing it. Hakotev tefillin bichtav yado. If a person wrote his own tefillin, which, by the way, should be the ideal way uh, for us to do this, it was much easier, I presume, back in the day when we all were experts in writing on, on with ink and parchment, because that's the way that everything was written. Nowadays, we're all expert typers, um, not so much working with ink and parchment. So, but if someone did write tefillin himself, or he bought it from someone whose kashrut has been established, for example, in the way we described in Halachayod, or if he bought it from anyone, but then he checked them and placed them back inside their encasement, one need not ever, ever check the tefillin again. Even after many years, according to Harambam, you know how often you have to check, to check your tefillin? Never. You never have to check your tefillin so long as you see that the encasement of them, the leather around them is intact, then you can assume, you can presume that they stayed inside also intact. One need not suspect that maybe one of the letters inside got smudged or, or got, uh, there was a perforation in them. Hillel uh, Hazaken Hayaomer, Hillel the elder, used to always say with pride, showing, touching his tefillin, he would say, Elu. This tefillin that I'm wearing, they are from my maternal grandfather. So presumably he never even checked them. 
in, in uh, three generations. Just to give us an example of how, according to Hilal Zaken, one need not check the tefillin ever, not in one's lifetime and not even two generations later. Just uh, one sentence about this, um, just with this halakha, Rambam is disrupting a, an industry of charlatans that exists today, unfortunately, in the Jewish people, of people trying to uh, make money out of checking unnecessarily tefillin and, uh, and putting a lot of uh, nonsensical superstitious meaning to whatever happens inside the thing. All of this is nonsense, according to Harambam. We spoke about these things in the 11th chapter of Ichot Avodazara, if anyone wants to go back and listen. But uh, bottom line is, tefillin need not be checked ever. The, they are designed to never be opened. And uh, and if, if they were kasher at, upon acquisition, that's enough for the rest of their life. Not even for your life, but even beyond that, your son, your grandson, and so on and so forth. Tomorrow, Ba'azat Hashem, we'll study the third chapter.